Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 3rd of October 2010, entitled, A God of Wonders Part 2. And the Bible readings are taken from Joshua chapter 1 verses 1 to 11 and Joshua chapter 3 verses 1 to 5. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I'd like for us to read first of all from Joshua chapter 1 verses 1 through 11. And then we want to turn over to chapter 3 and read verses 1 through 5 there. So I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's holy word beginning in Joshua chapter 1. The word of God says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all the people, to the land which I give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare your victuals for within three days. Ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God hath given you to possess it. Now in chapter 3, reading just the first five verses, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord 
will do wonders among you. Father, we thank you so much for this time that we have together again. And Lord, we pray now that as we take these next moments to look into your word, Lord, in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of the weaknesses and failings of thy servant that stands in this pulpit, we pray, Lord, that by the power of your spirit that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, you know our hearts. You know exactly what each one needs. Maybe we listen and be receptive to that which you have for us. Father, would you speak to us that these words may be made alive into our hearts, Lord, that they might find a resting place. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. A God of wonders. Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Of course, we can read right on through and we can see the tremendous wonders that our God did do for the nation of Israel as they crossed over into the promised land. We began to look at this, I began by reminding you as we looked at a number of passages, you know, we can look around and we can get ourselves depressed and discouraged and, and talk about how bad things are and about how there's so many people out there that, that have nothing to do with God and we see all the, the sin abounding and all of these things. And yet I encourage you to look the other way. We live in exciting days. We live in days when our Lord could sound that trumpet and come back for us at any time. We live in days when, yes, Oh, yes, you better believe that the devil's going to use everything at his disposal to work against the kingdom. But never, never has there been such opportunity. Never have we had such days that we could communicate with such a, a vast part of the world at one time. Never have we lived in such days when we had so many tools. Yes, there's a lot of garbage and junk and destructive stuff that's out there on the Internet world, but there's so much great stuff that you can get your hand on tools that before you'd had to went out and bought it and get to line these, these walls with bookshelves and, and fill them up and still would not have had at your access what is right there at your fingertips today. I'm saying we live in exciting days. As we look back at what God did here through Joshua for the nation of Israel, folks, we still serve a God of wonders, a God of all power, a God that is, is in absolutely impossible for anything to be beyond his abilities, beyond his reach, beyond what he would desire to do for us. But we looked at three things already. Do we really want to see God do great things? Or do we want to be part of the religious world that just wants to sit back and cop out and say, it's just too hard nowadays. Nobody wants to listen. Nobody wants anything to do with the church. We can cop out and say, you know, that, you know, it's impossible for churches to grow today, especially those that'll stand on the truth and stand on the word. And we can say all these things if we want to. I refuse to believe that. I refuse. I recognize. And as a pastor, it's so discouraging. I recognize that there is vast numbers around us of the world and of Christians, if you'd allow me to put quotation marks around it, 
They don't want the truth anymore. It's not going to be popular. But I believe with all my heart that if we'll do as God directs us, we still serve a God of wonders. I believe we serve a God that can do such great things in our midst that only He can be accredited for it. Only He can get the credit for it. We looked at a few things by example of what we see here. We said, first of all, that if we want great things to come, great things will only come through divine direction, God's direction, the way that God wants to take us. We can't set out on our path doing our thing the way we want to do it and expect God to do great wonders. If we're going to see great wonders, if we're going to see great works in our lives and amongst us, it's going to be just as we saw here through divine direction. God told them where to go. God told them how to get there. God told them when to go. And he gave them all of the instructions. Not only do great things come through divine direction, but we said they come through decisive obedience. <laughs> it's one thing to hear what God says. It's another thing to do what God says. And you see, that's what it takes, not only getting the instructions, but being willing to be decisive and obedient to Him. It doesn't matter if we understand it. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. It doesn't matter a lot of things that we looked at. We looked at so many things. We looked at David and Joab, and we looked at, at the prophet Isaiah. We looked at these different things in God's Word where we see this time and time again. We said if we want God to do great things, folks, we need divine direction. We need to be decisive in our obedience to Him. To do what He says, whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable, whether we understand it or not, if God says it, that should be good for us, and we should trust Him completely with it. And then we look thirdly. We looked in verse 2 when He said unto the land which I do give to them. Who gave them the land? God gave them the land. Great things come to those who are directly dependent on Him. You see, one of the bad things about these exciting days that we live in is that we can become so self-dependent. We've got it all figured out. We've got it all at our fingertips, and we can do it, and we're on Automatic pilot just going right down through there in our religious little ways. We need God's direction. We need to be decisively obedient to Him. We need to be directly dependent upon Him. I mean totally and completely. Not on ourselves, not on our skills, not on our intellect, not on anything that we have, but upon God Himself completely. And totally. And we looked at so many things. We can't go back. I want to move you forward now into chapter 1. And I want you to notice something else. That if we are to see great things come our way. Notice what he said there. We read those verses in chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. He said, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. 
For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Notice also as we look there what he says in verse 9. We even sing this to music sometimes. It's one of the courses that we've sung with the, with the Bible clubs and the Sunday schools over the years. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. I want to say to you this evening, we can see great things from our God. He is a God of wonders, and we can see that but it'll come through his divine direction and our decisive obedience. It'll come to those that are willing to be directly dependent upon him totally and completely, and it'll come to those that, as we see here, are daringly courageous. It takes some courage sometimes. We find that, I guess over the years, I've seen a lot of people that, accepted God's calling to various ministries and things like that. Sometimes they come in with this great misconception that, boy, if I'm out there ministering, preaching, doing something for God, man, everybody's going to love me. They might think they're going to be loved to death. And I heard one preacher say it might be the death of them, but unfortunately it won't be through love. You're not always going to be popular if you choose to be courageous for our Lord. I'm sure you've all heard the saying, you might please some of the people some of the time. You might even please some of the people all of the time. It's even possible to please all of the people some of the time. But you'll never please all the people all the time. We have to realize that. You know, we're dependent upon Him if we're following His direction, if we're being obedient to Him if we're trusting totally and completely in Him, if our courage is in Him. You see, the one person, the one person in all the world that you should really be concerned as to whether you're pleasing tonight is God in heaven. He's the one you need to please, even if nobody else likes what you're doing. One reality is that if God wants you to do something, you can do it if you'll trust Him. Man can ask you to do things that are way beyond you. But if God asks you to do something, He'll do it. Faithful is He that calleth you who also will do it. Amazing. God's the one that calls you to do it, but then He's the one that will do it through you. We have to trust Him. We have to believe Him. What do you think that it took and that young shepherd boy named David, just a little scrap of a fella out there tending the sheep. Here's all these warriors in their great armor and everything else, and yet they're afraid to stand up to this great giant called Goliath. For that young David to stand before Goliath, it took some courage. It took some courage. 
But you see, he wasn't finding his courage in his armor and his strength and his size or any of those things that had anything to do with him. He could stand before that giant that was before him because of the God that he knew had put him there, the God who he was there for. And he could have that courage to stand against these seemingly insurmountable odds. What about Daniel? What do you think it took for him to keep doing what God told him to do in the face of being thrown in there with those lions? And it wasn't just a fear that didn't come true. He was there with the lions, wasn't he? What did they find when they come back? <laughs> lions hadn't touched a hair on his head. Do you think it took some courage for Daniel to follow God rather than man when all the odds were stacked against him completely? What about the three Hebrew children? <laughs> Do you think it took courage for them to be true to God at the fear of being tossed into the fiery furnace, which they were? <laughs> then aren't you glad that even the Bible tells us well, when they looked into that fire, they didn't just see the three of them, did they, Brother Mick? There was a fourth one there, likened to the Son of Man. Jesus himself was right there with them, praise God. You see, that's what he's promised here. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be dismayed. He's promised never to leave us. He's not going to call you somewhere and put you out there on your own. Do we want to see God do great wonders? We need his directions. We need to be obedient to those directions. I mean, doing exactly what he has told us to do. Folks, when we go, if we're dependent upon him, it's going to take some courage. I love this verse, and you know that I've, I've shared it with you, and we, we talked about it in, I guess, a, a little bit of detail over the whole series that we've been doing recently in contending for the faith in talking about the Holy Spirit. I was, I was talking about the, the awesomeness of when this verse caught me for the first time in John chapter 14, verse 12, when Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. God living in you. I wonder this evening. It really comes down to, you know, can we really dare to trust God? To do wondrous, mighty things amongst us? Whatever God wants us to do to accomplish that task, which remember... What is the main purpose of the Holy Spirit being here in each and every one of us is to complete the work to follow right on through with the same work that Christ was accomplishing when he was here upon this earth. Sometimes it takes a big step of faith that it takes some real courage because nobody is going to understand it. I'm not saying God gives you a license to be stupid. You go out there and do your own thing just because you've got a whim. 
That's exactly what Satan tried to get Jesus to do when he tempted him. But I'm saying if you've got God's direction, if you know that you're going where he wants you to, you're being obedient to him. You're trusting him. We find that a step of faith is a sure step if it's a step that he's got again. Sometimes it's easy to lose heart, isn't it? Have you ever maybe been working on something that you were really, really excited about and things went wrong and you just kind of lost heart in it all? Friends, if we're not careful, we can lose heart in the Lord's work. We can't afford to do that. If we're going to see God do great things amongst us, sometimes people lose their vision. We know that the Bible teaches us that without that vision, we perish. We find that sometimes it's through hurt and discouragement. Don't you know the enemy's always going to have something there to try to smack you upside the head, to try to discourage you, to try to get you upset? That's his job, and he's, he's had plenty of practice before you came along. We find that many of you would know that, I guess it was you know, right here in this church, and I went through some of the most discouraging days of my life. I can remember when God had blessed and so many had been saved and the church was doing so well, and then we took a furlough, as most missionaries have to once in a while to raise our support level. When we came back and the things the devil had done and to see the hurt that he'd done and the people that were gone and all that was there, you know, I never, ever, ever, I can honestly say I can't remember a time that I ever thought about quitting on God. But I sure went through some days when I thought about quitting on this place. <laughs> I sure went through some days when I felt like I'd rather be somewhere else. I went through some days when I thought, boy, it's just not worth it. And most of us have had those days. But you know what? At the, at the end of it, I mean, I mean through hurt that I couldn't explain to you, through discouragement that I, I couldn't put into words, there was one thing that got me through it. Ramani, you know what it was? I knew I was where God wanted me. <laughs> I'd have been gone if he'd let me. <laughs> but I knew. You see, it was God's directions, God's place. You've got to know you where God wants you, that you're doing what God wants you to do. doesn't matter if anybody else understands it. And yes, the enemy's going to fight. And yes, sometimes there's going to be things that are going to happen that are going to hurt you. People that you love and that you care for. People that maybe you've had the privilege and the opportunity of, of leading to Christ and then they'll, they'll turn around and, 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 and leave you and turn their backs on you and all kinds of things. People sometimes without even meaning to. You know, we talk about sometimes, you know, nothing could be more cruel than a little child in school a lot of times what they can do to their classmates. Just saying, saying things without thinking about it. Us grown-ups aren't much better sometimes. <laughs> saying that there's going to be discouraging times. And you're not human if there's not going to be times when you feel that it's just not worth it that you just feel like throwing your hands up. I hope you never want to throw your hands up on God. <laughs> but you might want to throw your hands up on the situation, the place, the work, 
whatever it is that you're involved in. Well, when you get in those places, you got to know. You got to know that you're not doing your own thing. You got to know that you're not just there because you thought it was a good idea. You got to know that it's God's hand and He's got some purpose in it for some reason, somehow. And the truth is, is that there's only one place, and you've heard me say it, there's only one place that you'll ever know any kind of peace or happiness or enjoyment. I mean, even if you're in the deepest valley, there's only one place you'll find that peace and that joy within. Got nothing to do with geography. Got everything to do with the will of God in the center of His will. That's where you'll find the peace. That's where you'll find the strength. That's where you'll find the courage that he's talking about here to Joshua. Joshua, it's going to take some courage, but don't be afraid. I will be right there with you every step of the way. Joshua and Caleb, do you remember? Do you remember when those 12 spies first went in and spied out the land? Who was it that saw the land of milk and honey? <laughs> Who was it that saw what God wanted them to see? Joshua and Caleb. Ten others, they saw the giants and all the problems and all the battles and all the fights and all the things that no way were they ready for. Truth is, Joshua and Caleb, you ever stop to think about the fact they had to stay faithful for 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness? And they knew. They believed that they could pass straight over into the promised land. They had the faith to do it. They were not in the wilderness because of their own unbelief. They were in the wilderness because of others' unbelief. But God had a job for those two that did have the faith. But they had to spend the 40 years in the wilderness along with those that didn't till God was ready to use them to do what He wanted to accomplish with them. We find that sometimes, sometimes it's possible to be in certain areas of your life it's not a punishment of God, not because of something you did wrong, but because God's got you there for a reason, because others are dependent upon what God's doing with you. And yes, it may be hard. It might be out there in the desert. It might be out there in the wilderness. But God needs you there. That's where He wants you to accomplish His work, and that's the best place in the world for you. I wouldn't doubt that Joshua, after seeing what had happened before, he probably had a few doubts about this crowd. <laughs> they hadn't been too good at following God's directions before. Now here God's telling him, I want you to go out there and I want you to tell these people this is what you got to do. You think maybe he went, wow, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure you know about this. <laughs> these people haven't been too good at doing what God wants them to do before. Today, I'd say that just as God is telling him, Joshua, be courageous. Be courageous. Times can get tough. I mean, you could feel all along. 
You, th things can happen that you don't foresee. They can literally take every bit of the wind out of you. Don't lose heart. Keep your courage. I'm still there. There's a reason for this. I've got you there for a reason. Just trust me. I wouldn't have you there otherwise. Too many churches today, folks, have gotten sidelined on all the wrong things. Matter of fact, many of them are just downright comatose. I remember, probably shared it with you before. Remember hearing the, the illustration about the guy that had a heart attack and just fell over in church, middle of the preacher preaching. Somebody was wise enough to call, what is it, 999 or whatever that emergency number is. I still want to say 911. 999. <laughs> Paramedics come rushing in and and they done carried four guys out before they even got to the one that had a heart attack because they thought they were all dead. <laughs> and that's the way with a lot of our churches today. The comatose. God's not doing anything. I don't say that lightly. Folks, I'm not in the slightest saying that we need to get out there with that lot that's all in the flesh and having a field day swinging from the chandeliers and everything else because they want to work things up. But we still have a God that is a God of wonders, that will work wonders amongst us, just as he did here for Joshua and the people of Israel. God will do it for us today. We need to quit worrying about how the world's going to react to everything and what the other churches and the other Christians are going to say. And We need to quit fearing failure and discouragement. And I just put in capital letters here, we just need to dare to do what God has told us to do. Just that simple. Have the courage. Be daringly courageous to actually do what God has told us to do. Where's our courage today? That courage is only going to come when we honestly, truly are trusting in Him. We really trust Him and walk with Him. So God will do wonders among us. Great things come through divine direction. Great things come through decisive obedience. Great things come through those that are directly dependent upon him. Great things come to those who are daringly courageous. Fifthly, great things come to those who will demonstrate God's faithfulness. That will demonstrate God's faithfulness. Notice what he said here in verses 10 and 11. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare your victuals, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land. Notice the next words. Which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. You see, okay, get ready. Get your stuff together. We're moving out. Because we're going to possess what God himself has given to you. Notice if we look, we look into Jeremiah. Turn back into the book of Jeremiah. 
chapter 32. Notice what it says there in verse 17. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17 says, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. Notice these next words, and there is nothing too hard for thee. God, you've made everything. You've created it all with your outstretched horn. How can anything, how can we even possibly think that anything is too hard for him? Joshua believed. Joshua trusted what God had said. And Joshua acted upon what God had told him to do. He was about to demonstrate before all of the people of Israel just how faithful their God was. If we will do what God tells us to do in the way he tells us to do it, if we'll trust him, I want you to see what God will do. You see, they had missed this opportunity 40 years before. <laughs> They'd had that opportunity then. They didn't march in. We find that it's easy sometimes to feel like the grasshoppers before the giants as they saw to the world around us many times. But God's calling for some people to, to actually stand up and demonstrate His power to be able to change lives to demonstrate his faithfulness to those that will trust in him. Look what God will do in a life that will really trust him and do what he wants him to do. When Joshua stepped out and believed God, and he understood exactly what God was going to do because God had told him. You know what happened? Brother Steve, when he stepped out... <laughs> The other stepped out behind him. <laughs> he made that move. He was demonstrating to the people the faithfulness of his God. Okay? That's what God said. Now, let's do it. And he just went. But when he did, they fell in behind him. <laughs> they followed him. So many times, nobody's willing to take that first step and go and say, I really do trust it. We'll stand here and talk about trusting him all day long. But everybody's waiting for somebody else to actually make the step. Joshua took the step. He was going to show them what God would do. You find that so many times, just as one person's unbelief can keep others in the wilderness, one person's belief can lead others into Canaan as well. You know, we have a choice to believe him or not to believe him. I swore that as we look into chapter 3 where we took our reading from there, and it'll be quicker, we won't finish this again tonight. <laughs> we find that it says, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, 
Come not near unto it, that you may know that the way by which we must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. A lot of times we don't really understand where God's taking us. A lot of times we have no earthly idea what lies before us. You see, it's funny, I can, uh, I can still remember back a, a, a particular night that I've shared with a few of you before that after a missions conference that God had placed a specific call on this preacher's heart. I can still remember the battle that I had with the Lord when I got home from church that night. <laughs> I can still remember that next night when I stood before that congregation and just surrendered to go where God wanted me to go. I had a lot of fears. Yeah, the job and the house and all those things, but more than that, it was the kids, the children, those, those things that were near to me. You know, the simple truth was, I had no idea what God had in store. I didn't know one of you. <laughs> I didn't know Bethel even existed in, in, in God's world. Matter of fact, I barely knew that Birmingham existed, to be quite honest, because it wasn't on my dream sheet of the places I, I planned on moving to when I came to England. But see, God brought us one step at a time. Started us off in the south for just a short time, then we ended up in Nuneaton, and we ended up in Birmingham, and we've been here for over, over 20 years now. Well, nearly 30 years ago when that process first started, there was no way that I could foresee this night or what would happen in all those times in between. But I've known every step of the way, just like I said before, that when the times were hard and the times were low, and the times sometimes when you can get hurt really deep, but at the same time, I've known that, God, you've got me on this path for some reason. <laughs> And, you know, wherever it leads, I still, you know, I, I don't know where it's going next week and the week after that. I know that God's got a direction for us, though. I know that God has done a work, and you're a very special group of people here. It would be nice, nice one of these years if we could get everybody together all at one time just once. <laughs> but God's brought some special people together. And I believe that amongst this congregation, there's some of you that, God really does want to do some special things, some wondrous things, some mighty things through. If you do like Joshua, <laughs> you quit, quit worrying about laying your own plans. See what plans God has for you. What direction does he want to take your life? What does he want to do with you? That's the path you want to go down. That's the only place you want to be. Five years from now, ten years from now. See, God already knew. God knew some 30 years ago when he first had to yank me and get my, he already knew where I was going to be tonight right here. God knows where he wants to take you. But you've got to be willing to obey him. You've got to be willing to say, yes, Lord. I swear, whatever it is that you want, I'm willing. I'm ready. I'll go. All my dependence is on you. I'll trust you. I'll trust you every step of the way. It takes some courage. That courage can only come from within, not from without. Folks, 
be willing to demonstrate God's faithfulness. He is a faithful God. <laughs> I said so many times, too much of the religious crowd today, we've got into a situation where everybody wants it quick and instant. We've got it all planned out, even, you know, even our services. We know everything we're going to do before we get there, so we don't need to write it down, really. <laughs> Bulletins are just a waste of paper. <laughs> We got it all figured out in our heads. I shared with some, it might have, might have been Wednesday night in the prayer meeting. You know, I'm not interested. You know, you know what a, I asked them, do you know what a 7-Eleven store is? 7-Eleven was one of the first convenience chain stores. They started, they were called 7-Elevens, and there have been some in this country. They, they, they started out in North America and they went all over the world. They were called 7-Elevens because they were open from 7 in the morning till 11 at night. They were just these convenience stores that you go into and pay twice as much as you do in the supermarket, but you're willing to do it because you want it then, right there, and it's convenient. we got too many 7-Eleven churches today. So therefore, convenience. I heard one guy call them a 7-Eleven church one time because he said they got seven lines and they sing them over 11 times, you know. <laughs> Nothing to it. I'm not trying to make fun of those that are seriously trying to serve our Lord. But I'm saying, folks, man, too many of our churches have gotten sidelined. Too many of them have, have got their focus off and wrong. We want God to do something special. We want God to do something through us. We want God to work in our midst. I want to give you this final thing in closing. God will do great things to those who are really dedicated, <laughs> who are really dedicated to Him. Not yourself, not man's causes, but to Him. Notice what He said here in chapter 5. Joshua said unto the people, what's those next words? Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourselves. You see, if we're going to see the Lord do wondrous things in our lives, we're going to see Him do mighty things in our church. Somebody's going to have to get serious. Somebody's going to have to be truly dedicated to Him. Being willing to be sanctified means to be set apart from the world. <laughs> you, you, you can't be part of the world. It means to be purified for Him. You see, if we want God to do wondrous things, we can't afford to allow that to be hindered and stopped because of too much of the world in our lives that we're still hanging on to and holding on to. I believe with all my heart that if we would genuinely have our hearts right with God, if we genuinely, not, not in some kind of a mock words and make-believe religious atmosphere, but in our hearts, give ourselves to God in every way, every speck of us. He'll do wondrous things. He'll do great things to us if He truly has control of our lives in such a way. I guess that most of my 
Christian life. I've recognized that God is capable of doing a lot of things that most of us never give him the opportunities to prove. I remember even as a young, young Christian, young man, I remember this verse and believing with all my heart that if the country I lived in would apply this verse, God could do wondrous things. When he said, if my people, which are called by my name, if they, the people that belong to God, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. He said, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God didn't say that just to take up space for an extra verse that he needed in the Bible. He means that if his people will genuinely do that, God's going to respond. You think things are bad here? North America, all these so-called places where Christianity is dominant today? Tell you what, you can think I'm crazy if you want. I believe probably the only reason that either your country or my country is still upon the face of this earth is because there's still some people that believe that verse that are on their face before God that God's mercy has been upon the rest of us. <laughs> Our nations have turned to wicked ways, to sinfulness. But God's still got some people. You know, even Lot, when he was pleading for Sodom, he will need a few people in there, just five people that really love God. Today, I'm saying that I don't care if the rest of the world has turned their back, and if you'll pardon the expression, I don't mean it wrong, but if the rest of the world is going to hell around us, it doesn't mean that we have to go with them. It doesn't mean that we have to follow the same path. If churches want to write off and say that God's through doing anything in this country, we don't have to believe with them. We serve a God that's able to still do wondrous and mighty things, not because we're special, not because we're more spiritual, not because we're more right, but because we're more humble and we'll trust in Him just as Joshua did. We'll go where God wants us to do and do what God wants us to do and have the courage to believe that He'll really do something through us. Sometimes, sometimes it takes the weakest vessels. Sometimes it takes those that may be the least in this world's eyes. You know, I, I don't believe that there's any level up or down that your finances or your intellect or anything else has to be for God to use you, just for God to have you in the first place. There's not an individual here on any level that couldn't be used of God just like Joshua was here. Now I've totally lost track of where I was on these notes up here. But we're here today. And I guess the simple question is my time has gone anyway. Do we really want divine direction for our lives and our church? Do we want God to show us? Do you want God to really show you where he wants you to go, what he wants you to do, what he wants to make with your life? Or you're too set in your own plans already. You see, it takes God's direction. 
to see these wondrous things that I'm talking about, these mighty things of God. Are we seeking that divine direction? When he gives it, are we really willing to decisively obey him? <laughs> Will we really do what he says, what he wants? Are we fully willing to depend upon him and not others, not ourselves, not our jobs, not our abilities, not what we can do? But if God has given us a direction, God has told us what he wants us to do, and we're willing to go down that path, are we willing to just trust him, to depend upon him, to do everything that needs to be doing, to meet our needs, to go with us, to fight the battles? Would we dare to have the courage to actually take God for his word, <laughs> to actually trust him to do what he says that he'll do, to defy all the opposition. We find that there'll be plenty of things. There'll be rough waters. There'll be giants. There'll be plenty of things to discourage. But he says, have courage. Don't be dismayed. Don't be afraid. Because I'm with you. Do we believe that? Are we willing to take a step of faith because God has told us to, because God alone is the one that is pointing us in this direction, all on our own if necessary, so that God's faithfulness can be shown and proved through our lives, <laughs> that if you'll truly, truly let God do His way, what He wants in His way, in His timing, you see, it really comes down this evening. Were you willing to genuinely, truly, wholly, what other adjectives you want to put in there and adverbs, <laughs> really dedicate yourself to him? Sanctify yourself. You're going to have to be set apart from this world if you want to see God do those wondrous things tomorrow as the nation of Israel was. You can't, you can't go along with the world and hang out with them and hang on to them and see the wondrous things of God. He said, sanctify yourselves. Let yourselves be taken apart from that world, purified by his word, by him, to be a holy people, set apart, that God can use, that God can do what he needs to do, regardless of what the world thinks. You know what I believe this evening? If I could look each one of you straight in the eye at the same time, I would. And I say, God wants to do wondrous things through you. He does. God wants to do wondrous things through you. And he's still the same God, the same God that Joshua was following when he stepped out and trusted him to walk into the promised land, into Canaan land. He's the same God today. Find his direction. Genuinely, find God's direction. You say, preacher, that's not always easy. I know it's not. Especially when you got so much noise from the world and so many things and so many things going on. But if you don't do anything else with your life, you get alone enough with God that you can hear his voice and you know with certainty what he wants you to do. He knows the battles you have to go through. 
Nobody's, nobody's ever accomplished anything in this life without having to go through some battles, some difficulties, some struggles. But I want to tell you, it's worth every one of them, Brother Mick, every one of them. I don't care how low and how deep that they take you. God doesn't want you just to exist. And God saves you to take you to heaven one day to live with him for eternity. But he hasn't left you here. To just be a comatose Christian <laughs> until he comes back for you. God wants to do wondrous things, I promise you. I'm not the least hesitant. Now, he may not want to do the same thing through you as he does through the person sitting beside you, the person sitting behind you, and the person sitting across from you. But I'm saying God wants to do wondrous things through you. Things that will prove his faithfulness who he is. God wants John chapter 14, verse 12, to be a reality. The great works of Christ taking place through your life. Father, we thank you this evening as, Lord, I know for such a thought, a God of wonders. You are a God of wonders. Lord, I've struggled around over some of these verses trying to touch and just pick out a few things that Lord, seem to stand out in the passage there. You want to do wondrous things. But I believe these are at least on the simplest base from the things that are needed in our lives if, if we're going to see you do great things through us. Lord, we know we're saved. We know we'll be in heaven one day, and we can just exist whatever days we've got left in some kind of an existence and get by and let all that be if we choose to do that. Father, I pray that even amongst this congregation here tonight, I pray that there's some that wants more than that. They want to see a God of wonders working in their lives and in their church. They want to see God do things that are accredited to Him. And Lord, that takes some dedication and some faithfulness, and it takes, it takes getting through some battles and some downtimes and some discouraging times. Lord, I pray that You would, within this body, Lord, that you would give some faithful few at least. They want to see you do something, wondrous things that can be accomplished for your glory. Not that this church can be known, not that this preacher can be known, not that these people can be known, that your name can be known. We'll give you all the praise for it. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.